0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensey. Tim, have you climatized yourself yet to the weather yet, bud?
1: It was actually not too bad. Like, apparently, we missed the worst of it. Really? What's the weather there right now? It's hovering around freezing.
0: Okay. Yeah, because when I last checked, it was minus 22.
1: Okay. Yeah, we landed in a balmy minus three.
0: Well shit, son. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be like our buds and maple syrup shots. It's minus fifty in Saskatoon.
1: Yeah, I heard, and apparently uh Edmonton was colder than both poles.
0: Yeah, well, you know. It is Edmonton after all.
1: Yeah. Colder than hell.
0: Oh yeah. So Tim, before we go into talking about what we gotta to do tonight. Uh, we got to give a shout out to Maple Syrup Shots because tonight is their final episode and you were on their episode last week. Now, I've been on their show a couple of times and they've been great buds to us and they've always been super supportive to us so I just want to give them a shout out. Thank you so much for everything you guys have done to us and go Sens.
1: Yeah. I guess you won't have to make them tweet anything mean anymore. Oh,
0: no, I'll still do that, but, you know, which I will always say, that
1: was Dave's idea. That's Dave's idea. That was his idea to come up with that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I wish them luck in their future endeavors.
0: For sure. So let's get right into it, Tim. Now, usually we would talk about our weeks and what we've been up to, but since this is our first episode of 2018 we we got to do something a little bit different. Now, I brought it up to your attention today. Instead of doing our usual talk about our week, we should talk about 2017, both professionally and personally, because New Year's are always the best time to reflect. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, can't can't argue with that. Yeah.
0: So looking back at 2017, what are some stuff that you would talk about, both professionally, personally,
1: stuff like that? hard to say i guess it was just a lot of shit happened like uh 2017 like i don't think i've ever spent so much time on an airplane as i had that year for my work i fly a lot Mm -hmm. and then on top of that i was invited to uh a macroeconomics conference in uh Bretton woods New new hampshire so i flew out to there and yeah it's just been uh an awesome year for my professional development and yeah and i've been uh, contributing in a bigger way at work as well so 27 has been really good for me right on yeah and then on the personal side chelsea and i uh we got to go to a lot of different places and we're gonna probably keep doing that in 2018 as uh chelsea's gearing up for grad school after candidate chelsea and i will probably be going to la for an anime convention so that'll be super cool too
0: okay. Right on. Now, you and I were talking about Chelsea when I last saw you there on Boxing Day. Now, you were saying she's going to grad school in Toronto, correct? Most likely. Most likely. Okay. Now, has she been accepted yet, or is that still pending at this point?
1: Um, At this point, uh, it's still the Dog and Pony show, but I think it's almost a foregone conclusion at this point. Okay. Uh, just because uh, they've invited her and a few other people to Toronto to kind of meet all the professors okay. so I think that's uh the jobs are pretty much guaranteed right sorry I mean the slot's pretty much guaranteed but uh, it's just figuring out where you'll fall
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah the federal government does something very similar when they're uh, looking f- when they're handing out jobs to applicants and all of like the top 20 schools do that as well
0: Okay, now you said, is the University of Toronto in the top 20? Uh,
1: I think it's top 20. I think for psychology it's top 10 in the world.
0: Really, what is the number one school for that?
1: Harvard? No, Stanford.
0: That's okay. Stanford's a football school.
1: Yeah. and then uh U of T's is, is my on the matter and it's top 20 in the world for economics. Nice yeah it's funny when I was talking with uh some of the American ca- guys at uh in Bretton Woods it's the only Canadian school anyone knew of a few people knew of like UBC but that was about it
0: yeah but I think UBC is more for their sports
1: programs though well Americans don't know anything about a Canadian collegiate sport and honestly it is quite inferior to American collegiate sport but uh UBC is known a lot for its international business uh, that, and those sorts of programs. Okay. As well as its urban development and its hard sciences. Yeah, it's uh, this. it often ranks in the top three of Canadian schools. Hmm, I did not know that. Thank you for mm-hmm. that, Tim. Yeah, but I think that's enough about Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely talk later on in the show. Hmm. You know, overall, I have to
0: say... 2017 has been, it has been quite a year. I mean, when I first, when I started 2017, the position that I'm in now, I've only been doing that a couple of months and it was still a learning process for me because I had never done anything like that throughout my entire adult life. I'd only been washing dishes. And so going from that to doing what I do now, like that's a huge adjustment, man. Like, yeah, it's crazy to think. Yeah, no kidding. For sure. But on top of that, not just professionally, but on the personal side, not a whole lot changed, except a little show that came into my life called The Third Line Plug Sense Cast.
1: Yeah. I guess, yeah, that was definitely, uh, I think, one of the major highlights of this year. Is it's just a ton of fun to do, really.
0: Absolutely. And the fact that at the beginning of last year, I mean... You and I really hadn't talked in how many years at that point? It had been... Two or three. At least.
1: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: And so when we started doing the Third Line Plug Sensecast, that really rekindled our friendship. Mm-hmm. And look at all the work that we've put into the show, and some would say it's good, some would say it's bad, some would say, what, who are you and why are you in my shower? But that's about. That's beside the point. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I guess the hard thing is it's like, as I was saying on Maple Syrup Shots, it's just it's just the hardest part right now is just getting folks to listen, and I don't think it helps that the Sens themselves haven't been very good.
0: No, but I mean, the Senators are a very niche team in the grand scheme of things. We're not like the Leafs or the Habs or the Pens or the Blackhawks or some of these bigger teams when it comes to history and success. So the fact that we are... Trying to grow this into something is something all into its own.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm perfectly happy. Just keep on doing it, uh, coming up with new things, and then learn to market it as we go along.
0: For sure. So now that it is 2018, Tim, what what kind of what kind of things are you expecting from this year? Whether stuff you would love to happen or stuff on that nature.
1: Well, I'm gonna be move, probably moving back to Toronto, so. That'll be fun. Ah, uh,
0: behind enemy lines, huh?
1: Yeah. And maybe I'll suck it up and start hanging out with the Red Scarf Union. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure they're all nice people, but the their social media channels are a bit too much for me sometimes. For sure. But, I mean, you could say that about a lot of sense, Twitter, though. Yeah, and it's, like, either so optimistic you're not allowed to acknowledge what's going on or so pessimistic that it's like it's uh chicken little screaming about the world falling down and there isn't a lot of in between or you just step outside of it and uh look at uh the fun that private bride five or six has no matter what
0: yeah and then there's us smack dab in the middle of that we're not optimistic we're not pessimistic we're in the middle
1: yeah well i think we have the capability to be both honestly
0: for sure so tim did you get a chance to listen to last week's episode
1: Yeah I thought it was pretty good
0: I thought so too it was a very easy Episode for me to edit because You and I were in the same room together It's different than when we're doing it How we're doing it now where you're in Calgary I'm in Duncan and we skype each other And we record it because (laughs) You know it just comes Down to a point where editing I gotta edit out the Awkward pauses the Stutters shit like that But when we were in studio it was perfect
1: yeah, and I think part of that is just being able to see the visual cues a lot easier. For sure. And then uh, yelling about mountains.
0: I have to say, my favorite part of that episode was when Chelsea took my side.
1: She didn't take your side. She did take my side. <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, we had, like the next day uh, we were talking about the mountain thing with Chris and Amelia, and uh, we brought that up. Like, we're like, yeah, the mountains are outside of Calgary. And Chris looked at, looked at us and was like, yeah, the mountains are outside of Victoria, too.
0: <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, unless you're looking at Mount Doug or something, but... Does Mount Doug count? Mount Doug? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mount Doug is, is, is just... Is that a real mountain? <laughs> okay, Tim, we're just splitting hairs on me, mountains question so
1: that. But then again, I guess at some point we're trying to get to third-line mountain sense cast, so...
0: Well, you know, after the week that we've had, it's more of a two points per sense cast.
1: Yeah, and play off mountain to to surmount sense cast. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, Tim, now that we got that out of the way, let's segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So, we got to pay our respects, and this is one that, like I've said in the past, I hate... Talking about deaths here on the show And this one Hit hard especially for a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs Fans because If you went on Twitter and you read Some of the stories about this gentleman It really is something To marvel Mm -hmm. And I know Steve Dangle Put it best he says that this fellow Has the most useless Worthless autograph Of any Toronto Maple Leaf Because he signed everything now, if you but, don't know what we're talking yeah, he about, Tim, such
1: an important player, though,
0: for sure. Now, if you don't know what we're talking about, former Toronto Maple Leaf goalie Johnny Bauer passed away at age 93 on Boxing Day. This guy's career was really amazing because he he started his career in the American Hockey League for the Cleveland Barons from 1945 to 1953 before joining the New York Rangers in 1953, where he bounced around from the Rangers and the American Hockey League until he joined the Maple Leafs full-time in 1958, where he played until he retired in 1970. Bauer finished his career with four Stanley Cups two Vesna's, three Calder Cups, which is the American Hockey League championship and 250 career wins. And he's most noted for starting and popularizing the poke check.
1: Well, that like, that's just huge on its own, changing the way that goalies played the game. But, uh, you can't do. You can't walk a lot around Toronto without seeing something up with Bauer on it. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, there's actually a statue of Bauer in front of the Air Canada Center.
0: Yeah, isn't it the uh, Legends Row? Yes.
1: Like playing, he played hockey for 25 years in an era where apparently goalies just didn't stick around very long.
0: No, and especially when you look at the old gear that they had, and they didn't wear masks. Mm -hmm. like that's unbelievable when you go back and watch some of those little clips
1: yeah and then even after his career uh, Bauer was a huge uh, ambassador to the community and was even in his twilight years he was still showing up to major Leafs events
0: for sure and I know last season during their 100th anniversary he was there including Mm -hmm. long time holdouts like Dave Keon as well
1: yeah uh, he'll definitely be missed in Toronto but not forgotten.
0: For sure. Now, Tim, last week you were talking about Paul Bizanet's Twitter rant regarding Zach Ronaldo. Well, Zach Ronaldo got suspended six games after he punched Samuel Girard of the Colorado Avalanche. I think we we did we talk about this last week? I can't really remember.
1: Uh we definitely we talked a lot about this. <laughs> yeah? Okay. Well, we talked about a lot about how it definitely was suspension worthy.
0: Yeah, but I think we talked more about Bizonette's Twitter rant than we did about Zach Ronaldo.
1: Yeah. Well, we kinda got like the play was it was a gutless sucker punch. Yeah. I I'm not sure if 6 games is enough, but I guess it'll do.
0: Should we go on to our next story, Tim?
1: Yeah, it's always tough talking about the anything that the Department of Player Safety does. Just because I understand it is a bit of a tight balancing act, but sometimes I wonder if uh, slapped, if these penalties are big enough to really hit home that the NHL doesn't want this in the game.
0: Oh, for sure. Now we go into our next story. Vancouver Canucks forward Alex Bermistroff retired from the NHL at age 26. Bermistroff was drafted 8th overall in the 2010 draft by the Atlanta Thrashers, where he spent five seasons with the Thrashers slash Jets franchise before he joined the Coyotes in 2016 and later joined the Canucks this past season. Bremistrov will join the KHL after he played two full KHL seasons in 2013-2014 and 2014-2015. Bramistroff was one of these guys who... And I think he also didn't help with a lot of these Russian guys where you see a lot of these Russian guys are either one of two. They either come over and they... Don't and their game doesn't translate well, or they come over and they're money-hungry, but from what I can tell, Bermistrov seemed like he was the former of the two.
1: Yeah, Bermistrov was always a guy who, uh, you heard scouts talk about his compete level at his hockey IQ, but uh, he could just never really get it together on the North American side. And, like, he bounced around, like, he could never really find a spot on the Jets. Uh, he barely cracked the Coyotes, and uh, he really wasn't doing much in Vancouver either.
0: No, but I mean, it's tough, right? When you come from playing on the big ice surface to coming over playing the NHL style of ice.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, that's and a like, big competition transition. competition level's higher, too.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't help that a lot of these guys are much bigger, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a... Uh... Like, it's just one of those things that, uh, it seems like you hear a lot about him being a good guy, kind of soldier type player, but his game just didn't really translate. So
0: and I be- guess
1: it's good for those sort of guys <clears throat> that there's a premier, like, there's another Premier League on the other side of the ocean that plays European rules.
0: For sure. For Buffalo Sabres defenseman, Mike Weber announced his retirement at the age of 30 after his recent knee injury he suffered turned out to be so severe. That he was forced into retirement early.
1: Ah, sucks when that sort of stuff happens. But it is what it is. Yeah. And uh, we know that all too well.
0: Yep. Yeah, it sucks, man. Well, especially when you look at guys like Cam Neely, too, who his knees, and even Bobby Orr, whose knees are so bad that, like, he was forced to retire early as well.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's once you get a major in, injury to a critical part of the body, it's you're almost pre- you're almost just done right then and there.
0: Yeah, unless you're someone like Ole Jokinen or Mary Gabrick, where you can get injured so many times and your career continues.
1: Yeah, or even Carlson, who's somehow immune to some of the worst injuries imaginable.
0: Yeah, but Carlson's only suffered like two big injuries ever in his career.
1: Yeah, but they've been catastrophic, right? Like a full MCL tear and losing half his foot. No, his uh, ankle. Ankle. Yeah, they took a huge chunk of the bone out of that sucker, though.
0: I'm amazed that he didn't lose any speed.
1: Yeah. Like, it seems like Carlson's going to be one of those guys who can bounce back from insane injuries as well.
0: For sure. And, And he is pretty young. He's 26, 27, so... He can recover faster than he would if he was, say, 33, 34, 35 years old, if that mm-hmm. happened. So, Tim, we yeah. only have one trade to talk about this week, and it involves your hometown, the Calgary Flames. Hey. Now, the New oh. Jersey Devils, they have acquired goalie Eddie Lack from the Calgary Flames for defenseman Danton Prout. Lack went one for two with a .813 save percentage and a 5.29 goals against average with the Calgary Flames this season. And will serve a more proven backup than Keith Kincaid. Now, I mentioned here on the show, my cousin's a big New Jersey fan. I immediately texted him when I heard this deal. He likes this deal. Even though he said it puts New Jersey in an awkward position because Kincaid signed an extension last summer. But, you know what? Despite his stats, I do feel that Eddie lacks a more, more proven backup than Ken Cade is, and plus he's one of Corey Schneider's former teammates, too, which... It helps. It helps.
1: Well, one of the big things about Eddie Lack's stats this year is you have to remember that one of the games he played, he came in for relief of uh, Mike Smith in that uh, 6 nothing route of the Calgary Flames by the Ottawa Senators.
0: Wait, I just had a thought. Did Eddie Lack play for Vancouver when Schneider was there?
1: I think he did, because... The season started out with uh, Luongo and Schneider, and by the end it was Eddie Lack and Curtis McElhaney, I think.
0: I'm going to have to look that
1: up though. I'm not sure. They were in the organization at the same time, but I'm not sure if they played together.
0: Okay, I'll I'll look into that and just confirm that.
1: Yeah, because... Oh, they might have played at the same time because Luongo left first, right? No, Schneider did. Schneider left first. Okay, then... Lack and Luongo played together.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense.
1: Well, yeah, Tim but... Uly- yeah, I, Like, Dalton Prout, was he even playing?
0: No, he was in the American Hockey League.
1: Okay, so... And Dalton Prout's just kind of one of the AHL plugs.
0: Yeah, he's just sort of there.
1: So, yeah, New Jersey didn't really give up anything here.
0: No. No, Tim, we only got one Ottawa Senator story, and it's actually a good one for change. Whoa. Now, the Ottawa Senators they signed undrafted center Aaron Lukak to a three year entry level deal. Lukak had 31 goals, 25 assists for 56 points in 39 games with the Windsor Spitfires at the time of the signing. I'm not going to lie. This is a great signing for Ottawa. Because well, it's this is no a guy risk. who got passed over by all the NHL teams. And you never know, right? He could be one of these guys who. Like a St. Louis who didn't get drafted, comes to the NHL and becomes a star.
1: Well, this is the thing is it's no risk. They didn't use a draft pick for this. It, they're playing with found money.
0: For sure. And he, he also played with Logan Brown in Windsor too. So they have that connection. Mm-hmm. And I Although can actually confirm Logan that. Logan Brown
1: got traded within the WHL today. Because it looks like Windsor's kind of blown up the team.
0: Okay, where did uh, Logan Brown go?
1: I ended up somewhere else in Ontario. I'll have to pull up the name now. Hmm. I just saw it. But yeah, it's... Uh, let's see, Bathurst... That's something about Batherson.
0: Yeah, apparently he scored for Canada in the World Juniors today.
1: Yep. But then again, that game was a bit of a rout, from what I heard.
0: Unfortunately, I was at work, so I didn't get a chance to watch it.
1: Yeah, we are just doing all the shopping around home to make sure everything was set up. Yeah, because Logan Brown should be good to play in the semifinals, right? I think so. Yeah, let's see. Logan Brown. Ah, oh, where the hell is that trade? Uh, I'll look it up later.
0: Okay. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up Top of the R for this week, eh? Yeah, it does. We'll no, have to go no, into no, talking no. about yeah, not the greatest top of the era we've ever had, but I I feel next week's going to be better.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, it's the slowest news week of the year because there's not supposed to... There, there was a trade freeze for most of it. Yeah, but even news-wise, there wasn't that much to talk about. Yeah, next week there'll be bombs. Like, even earlier today, there was a, bunch, there was a flurry of news.
0: Yeah, but we'll save that for next week, Tim. So let's segue into the games. We got three games to talk about tonight the Senators versus the Boston Bruins, Sens versus the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Sens once again against the Bruins. But before we do that, Tim, let's hit the music.
1: It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Holy
0: fuck. Oh, Jesus. I can't believe we actually got to talk about this game to start this week.
1: Uh, yup.
0: Alright, Ottawa Senators versus the Boston Bruins. This was a 5-1 Bruins victory. Sen's goals were scored by Thomas Chabot. Bruins goals were scored by Riley Nash with two, Kevin Miller, Danton Heenan, and David Backus. Shots were 26-23 for Ottawa. Boston dominated the Senators from the opening face-off in both physical play and on the scoreboard. Ottawa was never in this game, however, their play did improve in the second period, but they still couldn't get anything going. I am not going to lie to him. This is the first time in our show's history I actually turned the game off.
1: When did After you Riley turn...
0: Nash scored to make it 4-1 Bruins? I turned it off. But since I was writing this, I had to turn it back on just so I had some ambient noise and I'm just watching it like, ah, oh, Jesus! I can't believe we actually going to talk about this game.
1: Yeah, I remember watching it like I turned it off at the f- at the end of the second. And I was just like, well, might as well go do something else. Yeah. To find some bright spots in the game, though, there were two. Thomas uh, Shabbat? Tom Shabbat looked dynamite.
0: Oh, man, that goal he scored. Oh, that
1: was so oh, good. So good. But, like, he skates, like, his skating is so smooth. Oh, I know. And he's a big guy,
0: too. He's not a small defenseman. He's a, what, 6'3", 6'4"? He's a big mm-hmm. boy, man. And he's what, 20, 21 years old.
1: One thing I can say is I don't like, I think this is a prospect that's almost ruin proof because uh, remember a few weeks, like the past few weeks, we've been noticing that it seemed like uh Shabbat was scared to fail. Yep. That seemed to be gone. Even in a game where the rest of the team is getting absolutely murdered.
0: Yeah. But keep in mind though, Tim, we said the same thing about Cody CC too. And there's been games in this season where he's looked absolutely brilliant, and other games where you're just watching him like, why the fuck did we give him 23 minutes?
1: Yeah. Well, I think the thing about Shabbat is it's just... It's not like Cody Cece where it's flashes of brilliance. Thomas Shabbat is consistently electric.
0: Yeah, but I still agree with what the coaches are doing by not rushing him. I like that they're giving him... Minutes to adjust to the NHL, which is what they should have done with Jared Cowan and what they should have done with Cody Ceci. Mm-hmm. You, you can go on the list of the players we've talked about here on the show that they should have done, but they didn't do it with. Yeah, no kidding. Curtis Lazar.
1: Yeah. Well, I even wonder about Curtis Lazar. Because apparently the hockey IQ wasn't there. Yeah, other than the, like Shabbat, I was actually pleasantly surprised with uh, Philip Shlopik.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I know that we we always gush about Thomas Shabbat whenever he plays great. Philip Shalapik. Like, he was impressive in that game. And he's a quick little guy, too.
1: Yeah, like, he was. He played a considerable amount of minutes, but, uh, like, I guess he played somewhat sheltered minutes. Uh, him and Burroughs were tied for... Him, Burroughs, and Nick Paul played the least. But in limited ice time... They both looked great.
0: Yeah, he didn't look like he was scared to fail out there. He kind of had like a, no, I don't want to say like a Zabinijad thing to him because he did really look like Zabinijad out there.
1: Yeah, kind of, yeah. Like he was definitely a power, like he moves the puck quite well. And I remember uh, a few games ago when he was playing with on a line with Nick Paul and uh, Chris DiDomenico. They were actually flying all over the ice, and it was a, it was beautiful to watch. Craig Anderson played terribly. Like he didn't get much in the way of support, but he he had a sub 800 save percentage. Like that just wasn't that wasn't his night.
0: Yeah, it's really really sad watching him some nights, with how ba- poorly he plays. Yeah.
1: So and Tim, uh, Frederick Clayson did something dumb.
0: I was gonna say Tim now. <laughs> As you recall, I didn't put this in top of the R because I felt we should talk about it here. That Freddie Clayson hit, which led to a scrap. Now, that's a stupid hit. I'm not going to lie. That's a late hit, and I, I hate those kind of hits because Freddie Clayson is not known to play like that.
1: No, and you have to wonder who put that sort of idea in his head or was he just not thinking and playing stupid?
0: I think it could be a bit of both, to be perfectly honest with you, because, and we've talked about it here on the show, that you've said he hasn't had a great season, so maybe he's trying to get something going to prove that, hey, I am worthy of being in the starting lineup.
1: Yeah, who knows, but that was, that was something else.
0: Yeah. set the
1: the, he deserved the suspension he got. Oh, for sure. But then again, it's not like outside of Thomas Chabot and I guess Eric Carlson. None of the defensemen really had a good game. No. Dion Phaneuf just looked terrible on the ice.
0: Yeah, but I mean that goes
1: without saying. Yeah. Although one thing that was nice is Thomas Chabot ended up getting over 20 minutes.
0: I did notice that. I did notice he had played more than usual.
1: Yeah, and that's like if he can start eating minutes it might bring down the Cody CC time and maybe we'll get some body some better hockey as Cody CC is put into a role that he can better handle
0: yeah we'll have to wait and see
1: yeah uh, here's hoping for next season
0: so Tim should we head on to our next game
1: yeah all right
0: Columbus Blue Jackets versus the Ottawa Senators. This was a 5-4 Senators victory. Sen's goals were scored by Derek Brizard, Nick Paul, Matt Duchesne, Mark Stone, and Bobby Ryan. Blue Jackets goals were scored by Sonny Milano with 2, Josh Anderson, and Zach Borinsic. Shots were 28-25 for the Senators. Ottawa came into this game playing a much better, had a much better effort than they showed during their game versus Boston. Both teams, I felt, played a really solid game with some good goal today to start the first period. Columbus started out playing the Sens in the second period, scoring two goals to make it 3 1. Ottawa got their groove back, though, after Nick Paul scored to make it 3 2, and they later got the 5 3 lead late into the third. Nick Warinski scored in the last minute to make it 5 4, but it wasn't enough. In other words, Tim, what I'm trying to say is that four goals were scored on Mike Condon, five goals were scored on. Oh, what's his name, Tim? Tabarachi? Bobrovsky.
1: You know what? What's that? I harp on Johnny Oduya a lot, but I think this might be the best game he's played in an Ottawa Senators jersey. You know what's funny, Tim? I don't have it anywhere in my notes. You gotta, you gotta talk about this. Well, Johnny Oduya was generally on the right side of the puck. He was moving things well. He wasn't, he wasn't really victimized for too many mistakes. Uh, he did take two. Two kind of dumb penalties, but okay, we're not asking in the world right now. Yeah, and then he, he actually had a really nice setup on uh, Matt Duchesne's goal as well. Oh, I know. That was so nice. Yeah, so yeah, I harp on him a lot, but it like this is what Ottawa wanted from Johnny Oduya, and I think they got it by just rolling the minutes back a bit.
0: So, Tim, notes-wise, all I have really is all the goals that lead up to making a 5-4. And that starts with the Nick Paul goal, which, that's that hurts watching that. And I felt so bad for Sergei Bobrovsky, because the puck, it clear he clearly tried to make a move to get the puck back to his defenseman, except it bounced off his stick and through his legs. Yeah. Now, you can quote me here, I think that got into his head. And I think that's how Ottawa got back into this game. Oh, because,
1: for sure, because like both goal, like both goalies had played quite well up to that point. I know,
0: and I know Feisty on Twitter tweeted out that the Sens won this game too to luck and bad goaltending. Now, do you feel that's accurate at all? No, because I felt
1: like Ottawa, like Ottawa actually showed up for once.
0: Yeah, I was reading that, and I'm thinking, no, no, Ottawa actually played a decent game, and that's why we got him back into it.
1: Yeah, and. Uh, Columbus, like Columbus was playing quite, and it wasn't like Columbus was playing poorly either. I thought Columbus played quite well. It was just Bobrovsky and Condon made quite a few mistakes. But this is like the second fluky goal in as many weeks that the Senators have gotten of that caliber. Like this is, this is remarkably like that Girardi goal.
0: Yeah, the only difference though is that we actually won this game.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Again, uh, I really like the play of uh, Philip Schloppik and uh, of Nick Paul.
0: Yeah, I felt Nick Paul played a really decent game for what I see was playing out there.
1: Yeah, and uh, honestly, Nick Paul has the makings of a very good uh, like bottom six forward.
0: Yeah, because I think there's games where you know, I sit here and I watch the games with Nick Paul, and the thing is, he's either pl- having a really good game, or he's Absolutely invisible out there.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think, I think I've think i been noticing, like, I think he's just doing more, like, making more solid plays. And I think that's just going to come with more NHL experience. Yeah.
0: Now, you were talking about fluky goals. How about that Mark Stone move that made a
1: 4-3? Yeah, that was weird.
0: I know, because I was watching that, and I see him take a couple of whacks at it, and I'm like, and... Okay, it's not going in. Oh my god, they actually scored?
1: Yeah, like, as bad as the Senators have been, they've also been brutally unlucky.
0: Yeah, whether it's bad goaltending, injuries, ownership problems. Ownership.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of it is just, uh, they've been bitten by the PDO demon. Yeah,
0: I think that's really the making of management though i really don't feel that we should take on any more those personal tryouts
1: no sorry i said pdo not pto
0: oh okay sorry tim i misheard you there pdo is just pure luck oh okay i was just like yeah i know that we got a couple of ptos on this team tim but i don't think they're entirely the problem
1: no 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 like between i don't want to say key injuries but important injuries and uh, just a bad luck and a rash of bad goaltending. Mm-hmm. Like, this has just been a brutal season for the Senators. Yep. And it was nice to see something go right for them.
0: Yeah. And
1: then Ottawa fucked it up. I think we talked about this game already, Tay.
0: Oh, no. we We talked about the first game against the Bruins. This is the second. Oh. And you know oh. what, Tim? I did not think that we could get any worse than that game. But this fucking game, oh my god. Bruins versus Senators. This was a 5 to nothing Bruins victory. Bruins goals were scored by Ryan Spooner with two, David Krejci, Noel, Noel Akari, and Patrice Bergeron. I like Patrice Bergeron. Good guy. Yeah. Shots were 34-25 for the Boston Bruins. not going to lie. I really... I didn't watch the whole game, because I was at my grandmother's having dinner. However, I did watch, up until the Bruins made it 3-0, and I'm just like, fuck it. Ah, great Canada, Denmark's
1: on. I'm going to watch this instead. <sighs> well, you knew once it got to 3-0, Ottawa wasn't coming back. I know, and
0: I mean, fuck. They didn't even show up. They, did, yeah, they no lacked kidding. energy, they lacked aggression, and an, it seemed like an overall game plan.
1: Yeah, and like, that's the thing is, Guy Boucher is supposed to be a systems coach. It's either he's thrown all that out the window just trying to get people kind of buying in. The players have completely tuned him out, or who knows what the hell is going on. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't want to say I was embarrassed, but I can't think of anything better than that.
1: Yeah, and then Ottawa, it didn't help that Ottawa took, they, they got on the penalty carousel early and often.
0: I know, like I feel bad for people who actually drove out there and it was snowing in Ottawa, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. You know, it's snowing, it's minus 20, and they lose 5 nothing. No wonder that fan threw his jersey on the ice after the Bruins went went a 5 nothing. Yeah, I would too. I know. However, we're not like that one Oilers fan when he did it because his phone and his wallet were in his pocket.
1: Oh, we think before we do. Like, this is the only game that I can say that none of Ottawa's top players really showed up. Nope. Like, even Mark Stone had a pretty bad game. Dion Phaneuf was terrible.
0: Hey, at least Canada's best players showed up that game.
1: Yeah, and then the, sh- the few shots that Ottawa did get, they were just coming from dumb zones on the ice.
0: I gotta ask Tim, did you watch the Canada-US game at New Area Stadium?
1: No, I didn't. But I heard it was really cool to watch.
0: Yeah, and now obviously because I was outside a few weeks back watching hockey games, to have it snowing on the ice. Now, obviously it wasn't snowing as hard in Ottawa when I was there than it was in Buffalo. And I was telling my boss there today, I was like, it's difficult playing hockey on a sheet of ice when there's, what, five, six inches of snow on the ice?
1: Well, it's just hard to skate through. Yeah, it like, makes
0: it also makes the puck heavy too.
1: Well, like I remember, I used to skate on the canal, and uh, if the canal wasn't shoveled, <laughs> good luck.
0: I know it's ridiculous.
1: Because like the snow gets under your blades, and then you lose you lose the Attractive. water friction that allows you to move. Oh God, it's brutal. <laughs> yeah, I guess looking for bright spots, uh, Schlappic and Dzingel looked pretty good. Okay, but other than that, meh. And uh, Mark Stone came out after the game, and yeah, uh, it's pretty choice words.
0: I saw that. I saw. No, I didn't hear or read about it, but no. Am I under the understanding you did though?
1: Yeah, he basically came out said they're playing dumb, like he used the word they're playing stupid and it's hard to win when your top like your top guys aren't coming out. The problems start at the top, and they trickle down. Like, it was a scathing indictment from uh, Mark Stone. Yeah,
0: because that's one thing when somebody like Mike Condon comes out and says this. When one of your top players comes out and says it, you know something has to change in Ottawa.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because a lot of people think that Mark Stone might, like if Eric Carlson were to give up the captives, the Capticity, the captain, Mark Cap- Stone. Yeah, Mark Stone would be the. A lot of people think is the obvious next choice.
0: You know what? I would be absolutely okay with that.
1: Yeah, like Mark Stone is apparently really stepped into a leadership room role, both inside and outside of the organization.
0: I think more so now because Kyle Turris isn't there anymore.
1: And I think that, well, it's just it's amazing just how much this, te- like, this team has changed without uh, Turris around. And maybe having Mark Stone just pick up some of the community slack will help things out a bit. Or at least I hope it will.
0: Yeah, I hope so too.
1: Yeah, because Mark Stone seems like a guy that both the Sens can easily market and a really likable and really down-to-earth player and yeah, I just, I want something to change, but I think we have, I hate saying it, but I think it's about time to just kind of face the truth. The Ottawa Senators aren't making the playoffs this year.
0: No, because after they lost to the Bruins, that put us 16 points behind the Bruins for the third spot in our division.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also 16 points back for the last wild card, Maybe more. Like, it's the Senators are well they played themselves out of a playoff spot
0: yep now Tim before we go into our close something we didn't talk about last week were the Mike Hoffman trade rumors now there have been rumors that Mike Hoffman could be sent to the St. Louis Blues I've heard rumors with the Edmonton Oilers now with the struggles of the Ottawa Senators do you think Mike trading Mike Hoffman is the solution because I, I don't no. feel it is
1: no, and I think the big thing is uh, like scoring wingers like that are just, if you trade them now, you have to draft, you're going to have to draft another Mike Hoffman. And teams are looking to pick Hoffman up on 80 cents on the dollar. So, talking about maybe a, a prospect and a pick. So, you're trading a of, certif- like a bona fide, incredible goal scorer for the chance at a goal scorer. And Hoffman's not a, an old guy either, so I think he's someone you can have to stick around through a retooling. And I think that's what the Ottawa Senators need, is they need to flush out the bad contracts, retool a bit, and they're probably good to go.
0: Yeah, and that's what I've been saying this whole time. Because, and I agree, I can't remember who tweeted this out. And they were talking about, you know, you could blame the coaches all you want, but at the end of the day, you got to look at your core players, because how many coaches have we gone through since 2007
1: uh we've gone through six in 10 years
0: yeah we've gone through six coaches in 10 years and you look at our core okay well now coaching has obviously been a bit of an issue in ottawa but you also gotta look at your core guys who are not giving 100 percent every night or what it seems to be what it appears to be out there
1: although the hard thing is is I don't even want to point the finger at Bobby Ryan anymore because it looks like he's one of the only guys that's actually giving a damn. Yeah, Bobby Ryan showed up in these
0: games that we were talking about tonight.
1: Yeah, like, well, Dion Phaneuf has to go. I've yeah. heard he's okay in the room, but he's not an NHL defenseman.
0: No, but it's tough moving that contract, that contract. unless we. Uh, how would we do? How would we have to do this? We would have to at least.
1: We'd have to eat salary, and yeah, I don't think Eugene Benley like can afford that.
0: Because what does he have left? Two years? Three years? Uh, at that? Let's
1: look at that. Yeah, let's look at our boy, Dion. Uh, enough, enough, enough. Yeah, like... And he's at, at $7 million, That's...
0: That's tough, man. Unless, that's tough. I mean, yeah, we would have to eat some salary. I mean, you can get rid of guys like Burroughs. I don't know who would take him
1: allegedly there's been interest in both Burrows and Oduya although Oduya luckily enough is he was signed in a low risk way
0: yeah but even that though we've been incredibly critical of him this past season
1: mhm so i think Oduya gets traded at the, is easily traded at the deadline yeah. to a team that needs veteran depth yeah but i so recall that's when, our problem.
0: yeah well when we were talking about during our was it 17 days of free agency last summer? We talked about Johnny Oduya and we said we see him playing for the Senators up until the trade deadline and then he's dealt and then someone like Shablock gets brought up.
1: Yeah, something like that. But yeah, that's... uh... Yeah, I think he gets dealt just because the Ottawa Senators aren't making it. Um... Oh, we're stuck with Dion for three more years after this one. Oh, Jesus. But hey, his base salary goes down. It'll be $5.5 next year.
0: Well, I guess that's okay.
1: For, if you're Eugene Menlik. Yep. It doesn't do anything about the $7 million cap hit. Yep. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, apparently there's been interest in Zach Smith.
0: Pajot, I'm hearing interest in him too.
1: Uh, apparently people are kicking the tires on Broussard. Oh, and Broussard came out and said that he... Apparently in an interview, he just came out and said that he, he's willing to play anywhere. He likes playing in Ottawa. He remembered his fun times in Columbus, and apparently Columbus has been kicking the tires. Hmm. Yeah, it will be um, interesting
0: to see.
1: Yeah, there hasn't been any interest... There haven't been many calls for Cody Ceci.
0: And that's surprising, because... Who who was it? I think it was Ian Mendez. He said in an interview, he says, you know, that the fans they think that Cody Cc has no trade value, but if you talk to NHL GMs, they're always saying, man, I wish we can get a guy like Cody Cc. So I am kind of surprised when you're saying that there is no interest in Cc.
1: Well, what has probably happened is pro scouts have come to the Ottawa Senators fire sale and saw Cody Cc play 25 minutes of terrible hockey. Like, that's a very... Like, uh people have said... They have called it, CC got Cowaned. Yeah. It's tough, man. Like, yeah. feel bad for the guy, but...
0: Yeah, I didn't honestly see guys like Broussard or Pajot being dealt until maybe a few years down the road when guys like Colin White and Logan Brown and these guys are developed enough where they can step into the NHL.
1: Yeah, and I... I can see even Pajot sticking around, because he's not making bad money for uh, a third-line center. Uh, apparently, there's been interest in uh, Nate Thompson as well. Oh, and there's been interest for Burroughs, of all people. Sold. Sold. Like, if Ottawa can clear out those terrible contracts, then maybe like there's some success to be had. Mm-hmm. Because, like... There's a lot of young guys who I think are roster-ready, like uh, Logan Brown, Philip Shlapik, uh Colin White. Shabbat. Shabbat. Even Chris DiDomenico.
0: Yeah, but Dino's not exactly a, a young guy on the
1: team, though. He's, what, 27, 28? He's 27, 28, but he's, I think he's. he could probably play a consistent NHL shift, and he wouldn't look bad doing it.
0: Yeah, if it's in a bottom-six capacity, then I'm happy.
1: Yeah, and he can even... Light up into the top six if necessary.
0: Yeah.
1: Like he does it better than uh, Nate Thompson or <laughs> Tom Pyatt can. Fair enough. Yeah, like there's a lot of guys that I think the Senators can, like if the Senators can clear out a lot of just some of Dorian's worst first worst first year, first year moves, then uh, I think there's room for the Senators to, to have a successful trade deadline without panic selling on Hoffman.
0: Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up the games of the week, eh, bud? Yeah. Time to head into the close? Sounds good. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I hope you enjoy them because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. It you makes the us- games more bearable. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsandscast.com. Because our bod uh, Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. We are also on Twitter. At ThirdLinePlug is our show's Twitter handle. Tim is at M901HoneyBadger. I am Great White 8 G-R-A-W-Y-T-E, Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about some trades, talk about 2018, or you feel that you have some trade ideas for Cody CC, shoot us an email, ThirdLinePlugSenseCast at gmail.com. What's the week ahead, Tay? The week ahead, we've got three games on the schedule. Wednesday in Detroit, Friday versus the San Jose Sharks, and Saturday versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, huh. that'll be fun. Yeah, hopefully we can get a win or two out of this.
1: I think we might be able to manage one. Although we actually played quite well last time we played Tampa. Yeah. Although I don't think Dan Girardi will do us another favor.
0: No, maybe he'll do two of them. Ooh, maybe. Maybe.
1: All right, I think that wraps it up for another week, though.
0: Yep. Until next week, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson.
1: And this has been Tim Jensey. Go Sens, guys. So long, my
0: time here is up. They're going home.